You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 124, Prevention, Trauma-Informed and Transformational Schools. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, we're back together again after that fabulous episode with Brad two weeks ago. And uh, I'm just... uh, I'm still thinking about all the lessons we've learned there and the perspective he brought. And I think that today's conversation will bring even more of that, um, the perspective that really helps us to throw some of those starfish in the ocean. Oh my goodness. He was inspiring and really um, pushes me to focus on the area where I um, speak on so much about prevention, because I don't want these kids to end up in Brad's office. And so we're going to go back and look at prevention and early intervention, but this time in trauma-informed classrooms. Uh, You know, we understand that education contributes to life success. And we look at how we can offer education and, and kids who finish high school, kids who go to college, their lives turn around. But what is happening in the schools is also important. We've talked about trauma-informed um, law enforcement, trauma-informed victim services, trauma-informed foster care. And now there is a brief that was published in December 2015 by Mara McEnery, a senior staff attorney, and Amy McClendon, an MSW, on unlocking the door to learning trauma-informed classrooms and transformational schools. This is at the Education Law Center, and we'll have a link to this. And why this is important for us is beginning to identify that a half to two-thirds of children in our schools have experienced some kind of trauma. So what does that mean as a prevention strategy for reducing the vulnerability of a child to becoming a victim of some kind of exploitation? And that's kind of the question we want to look at today. And tell me about the framework of this, Sandy, in regards to how um, professionals use this information. Um, I know you had mentioned to me before that uh, a lot of times an expert will put together a brief on some sort of issue or particular lens of an issue like this one is. Um, how is this? How does this frame that issue? How does this help us to figure out that, that first step forward? Well, this particular issue brief is directed at educators, and so they can start to understand their role in in understanding trauma and its effect on how kids learn. And the reason why this is so valuable is that all of the resources are in one place in this kind of a brief. And so it it provides a basic outline for shaping how schools can begin to develop 
their culture, their practices, and their policies to be more sensitive to traumatized learners. And what we've already established in some of our previous podcasts is the role that trauma has on brain development and and cognitive um, processes. It even it even impacts the shape of the brain, and we um, we want our questions in the classroom when we're dealing with discipline or um, um, conduct issues for teachers not to be asking what's wrong with you, but rather what happened to you so that we're not always trying to label a child as having a problem, but understanding where that problem initiated. Mm, interesting. The, the, the research is abundant, and this is a very long brief. It's over 20, I think it's about 24 pages, but it does give some pretty substantial statistics that demonstrate between half and two-thirds of all school-aged children have experienced trauma using um, our own area here. They have a study from Los Angeles Unified School District where the average number of violent events experienced in the previous year was 2.8, and the average number of witnessed events was 5.9. And this, when they surveyed experienced or witnessed violence, it was involving a gun or a knife. Those are, those are very traumatic issues. And other states in Northern Cal- North Carolina, 68% of 16-year-olds had experienced trauma. Um, the, the idea that trauma is something that happens occasionally is being overturned in this kind of research. And so the purpose of today's overview of this brief is not to prove um, that kids have trauma, but to really answer the question of how do we deal with that in the learning environment. You can read this um, this brief um when I think about the exposure to violence of 119 seven-year-olds in one study, 75% of those seven-year-olds had heard gunshots, 60% had seen drug deals, 18% had seen a dead body. Um, those are, are really serious episodes. So then when you think about trauma-informed and how they respond, I think the thing we have to keep in mind is that these children, according to the way it was described by one pediatrician, are living in a constant state of emergency. That kind of toxic stress that we've talked about before is strong, Frequent, prolonged activation of the body's stress response system in the absence of the buffering protection of a supportive adult relationship. So just setting that as our start point for today, how does that work in a school setting? 
a child is living in a constant state of emergency. That adrenaline is always going. They're looking to read the signs. And there's amazing research of how kids survive and continue to go to school. They don't just stop, but their experiences in school will shape how their success will eventually play out. And that is um, why a a trauma-informed classroom, a trauma-informed school is so critical. They may be more aggressive and negative in peer interactions, and they will um, absolutely be distrustful of teachers. And, And if you think this sounds like, oh, wait, didn't we talk about this last week? Well, those are the kinds of things that Brad told us about the victims that are in his office. Distrustful. And um, aggressive and negative in their interactions. So one of the tools in this brief is a basic cycle of trauma. And we want to look at the cycle for a moment so that we can think about how do we break the cycle. So it starts with trauma, any of those things that we've just listed, and then the emotional and psychological damage that then is evidenced in behavioral problems that are then punished. And that punishment is the area where we, in a school that is trauma-informed, can begin to see a way to break the cycle. And this um, is a a systems approach. It is evidence-based. So that's um, the direction that we're going. The idea that we can present a holistic approach to shaping the organizational culture, the practice and policies to be sensitive to the experiences of these children, that's the system's approach to breaking this cycle. And I, I kind of wonder, um, just think back for a moment, Dave, you're in your classroom and you weren't supposed to be talking, but there was something you just had to tell your neighbor. Um, what was the the response from the teacher when you when you broke a rule? Oh, some sort of calling of attention and or some kind of consequence, um, depending on the amount of times or severity. Mostly a calling attention to usually first. And, and so when, when we get in trouble, we, um, we have to respond in ways that we've learned to handle situations. And I grew up in a pretty safe home. So mm-hmm. um, the worst thing for me was if they called attention to me and it was mm-hmm. like, that's embarrassing. Yeah, indeed. But for a child who has, is already on hyper alert and has come from a home um, that even that day where there was yelling and screaming and possibly hitting or weapons um, the night before, um, that child is going to respond very differently to punishment. Mm, indeed. So one of the um, the recommended trauma-informed approaches in this brief is called the sanctuary model. So that instead of looking at um, how to how to punish a child, we actually start learning 
how to change um, the way that we work in the classroom. And and the sanctuary approach model has um, the SELF curriculum, SELF self. That, that makes sense, huh? So I'm going to take on personal responsibility, but it stands for safety, emotions, loss, and the future. And these links to these resources will be in the show notes. But when I thought about that, if I'm looking at a child who has done something that to break a rule in the classroom, instead of I have a, um, a standard punishment, you'll go to the principal's office or you won't get to have um, playground time today, or you're going to go write your name a hundred times, one of those things. If I look first at this self curriculum for safety, emotions, loss, and futures. As a teacher, I'm I'm going to start thinking about that child and where they came from today. Are they hypervigilant? Um, what are their emotions? The the idea we've talked about the role of loss and grief in in abuse and the future, those are going to change the way that I approach how to help this child succeed in my classroom. And when you're looking at a trauma-informed system, then that means it isn't going to be just one teacher that's throwing starfish back, but that the whole school's going to be based on that. Mm. And the, um, the elements of a system have been identified in the National Child traumatic stress network. I was so excited, Dave. Can you tell when I read this brief? I read it word for word. I um, I feel like this is something that was important to get out to our listeners who are just about to, especially teachers and um, educators, you're just about to finish up the school year. And now you have these wonderful uh, it's the way I am anyway. I'm getting ready in my mind for things I'll do differently next year. Mm-hmm. And so these seven elements, um, as identified by the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, I just want to plant these in your mind. Um, screen routinely for trauma exposure and symptoms. Implement culturally appropriate evidence-based assessments and treatments for traumatic stress provide resources to children, families, and providers on trauma, its impact, and treatment options, build on the strengths of children and families impacted by trauma. Number five, address parent and caregiver trauma. Number six, collaborate across child-serving systems to coordinate care. And number seven, support staff by minimizing and treating secondary traumatic stress, which can lead to burnout. So so these seven key elements, this is something to start laying out and figuring out what that's going to look like at your school in the fall. And and then to to take it to the next the next level, we're going to look at and we just don't have very much time, but the um the ideas of developing a learning and teaching environment with compassion and resiliency have several principles that we will look at in a future um, podcast. But the basics are always going to look at empowering 
children, your students, and having positive regard with high expectations and checking our own assumptions. We are often too quick to think we know what's going on with that child. He wasn't prepared. He didn't have his pencil out. Um, He wasn't ready. And then uh, developing some new learning environments where we actually become a relationship coach. Dave, you would have some valuable insight for teachers on coaching these kids. And then um, looking at how we are going to guide opportunities. So we're, we're going to close out with a case study of what that looks like in the classroom. And we're, we're going to um, compare a traditional approach with a trauma-informed approach. And in this case, Tom is walking to lunch in the cafeteria when his classmate, Mark, bumps into him in the hallway. The student's eighth grade math teacher, Miss Clark, hears Tom and Mark begin to yell at one another and steps into the hall just as Tom punches Mark in the face. Miss Clark and her colleague, Mr. Jones, step in to break up the fight. This is the third fight Tom has been in this school year. So I'm going to be Miss Clark and Dave is going to be Mr. Jones. I'm going to take the, um, the traditional approach and verbally reprimand Tom and Mark and call for the school security guard. And they boys will then be escorted to the principal's office and I'll return to my classroom. On the other hand, a trauma-informed approach, uh, Miss Clark and her colleagues separate Tom and Mark and bring them each to an empty classroom to calm down. Miss Clark has developed a strong relationship with Tom, and once he's calmed down, asks him, what's going on? It takes a few minutes, but Tom eventually opens up to let Miss Clark know that he's feeling on edge due to instability and violence in his home life. While Miss Clark is talking with Tom, Mr. Jones de-escalates Mark and begins a conversation with him about his behavior. In the traditional approach, the next step is disciplinary action, and both students meet with the principal who quickly gathers the facts and determines that the level of severity of the altercation warrants a three-day suspension for Mark, as this was his first offense, and a nine-day suspension for Tom, who is labeled a repeat offender and told that he will be expelled for his next offense. Both students' parents are called and told their child has a discipline problem. For discipline action, a trauma-informed approach may say following their individual conversations, Ms. Clark, Mr. Jones, Tom, and Mark meet with the school principal. In a non-confrontational conversation, both students apologize for overreacting. Consistent with school discipline policies, both students receive an in-school suspension, Tom for three days, as this was his first offense, and Mark for six days, as this was his third offense. So then we go to the next step, with which has the short and long-term implications of the traditional approach. Mark misses three days of class, and Tom misses nine days of class. As a result, both fall behind in their classwork, and their grades suffer. Tom and Mark feel that the school has labeled them, and their parents begin to feel that they are working in opposition to the school staff, as opposed to cooperating to better meet their children's needs. In a trauma-informed approach, during their time in school suspension, Tom and Mark are able to complete their coursework while receiving extra support. Ms. Clark and the school counselor set aside time to meet together with Tom during his in-school suspension to discuss the instability and violence Tom is experiencing at home. 
and they learn that Tom was recently placed in the care of his grandmother due to his father's physical abuse of Tom and his mother. The school counselor reaches out to Tom's grandmother to involve her in developing a behavioral plan for Tom at school, and Tom is referred for therapeutic services at a local community health agency. Ms. Clark also encourages Tom to join an after-school mentoring program for young men focused on social skills development and academic support. Over time, Tom's behavior and his grades begin to improve. It is really interesting, Sandy, reading through this case study of thinking through um, for causing an issue at school, uh, you know, suspension, punishment being, well, not going to school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that's always of sort of struck me as odd in and, and, and light of disciplinary things anyway. But yeah, it, it, it definitely, it, just on a common sense framework, forget the, the research aside, it makes more sense of how we'd approach that situation. Not to say there isn't discipline involved, obviously there still is on both, but um, but it's the framework is much different of how the educator approaches the situation. I think I think this is going to be the next big area of prevention and early intervention because if we find children who have trauma and we respond in a trauma-informed system, not a one-off one person, but the entire system. And and I as I as we close out I just want to recommend that administrators, teachers start to talk about what this looks like, not just in my classroom, but across the school and learn how to develop a system that is going to support children overcoming the trauma and being successful. Student success is going to be the best prevention of a vulnerable and at-risk youth being exploited. Indeed, Sandy, and we'll, of course, have the links. We're just scratching the surface of this brief. Uh, We'll have the links in the show notes uh, with tons more information and resources for those who want to connect with it. And again, this is episode 124. You can find that on the Global Center for Women and Justice website. Just go to vanguard.edu slash GCWJ. You can also always reach us by email at gcwj.edu at vanguard.edu and that stands for the global center for women and justice here at vanguard university and by the way if you've been listening for a bit to the show and it's been helpful to you we hope you'll take a moment to leave a rating or review on itunes it helps us to know how we can further improve the show and helps more people find it thanks andy and see you in two weeks thanks dave take care everyone Mm -hmm.